0: Welcome tonight. Um, Tonight, we continue. We continue an amazing journey we began last week. An amazing journey of both mind, spirit, soul, body, and love and life. That was weird. All right, the continuation. And if you guys remember last week, the entire title of last week's message was Stopping Short. And uh, if you guys weren't here, I feel sorry for you. Last week was amazing. Uh, Go listen to the podcast. I think it will be up by tomorrow. Um, We had some technical difficulties, but they'll be up there, so go ahead and listen to them if you want. Um, A small recap for you for who weren't here and those who were here and are just a little slow and think, I don't even remember what happened last week. (laughs) Some people are thinking, what was last week? We were in numbers which is uh, the fourth book of the Bible, if I remember correctly. And uh, it was actually Numbers 32. If you guys want to flip there, you can, or you can just listen to me either way. What we talked about is we talked about uh, Israel. We talked about Israel being called out of slavery. Uh, If you remember the whole story, uh, Israel, God's chosen people, they're in slavery in Egypt. God calls them out, sends Moses to take them from their place of slavery, all the way to their chosen land, uh, a beautiful land flowing in milk and honey. God's plan for them to do this. And what we came to was a point where they're just about ready to do this, and there's two and a half tribes that split off, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh. And uh, it talks about the fact that right before they were, they looked at the land stop making that noise. Jair, I'm just joking. It's not that big of a deal. I just like seeing your face. And... Um, <laughs> They look at the land on on the side of the Jordan that they're on before they cross. And if you guys remember right, they kind of got a glimpse of it and they wanted it. So they ended up asking if they can have the land. Moses said yes through a lot of different turmoil. Read over that again if you guys don't remember it in 32. If you weren't here, you could read through it, peruse through it. Um, It all goes through. And it turns out the fact that uh, they allow them to do this as long as they will come over across the Jordan and fight with the soldiers of Israel to take the promised land. Uh, if you remember right, last week we talked about uh, there being a few things that made them feel this way. I don't know if you guys remember these or not, but these are the things that we identified that stood out with them that made them decide to just take this land here where they were at. The first one was that they were more concerned with their circumstances around them than they were with what God's plan was. The next was that they thought that their plan was probably just going to be better than God's. They'd rather just take theirs because it looked really good. I talked about the fact that when they saw it with their eyes, it seemed like a certain thing. And it seemed like it was more solid than trusting in what God had. And then also the fact that they didn't want to wait. Like I said, they were out there for like 40 years. So they are probably getting sick and tired of waiting. They just decided they could take this and go with it. Start life today. As we said last week, and as I say again this week, this isn't something that just happened... Uh, Thousands of years ago and hasn't happened again this whole entire situation played out in different terms played out in different Circumstances happens every single day of our lives every single uh, place on earth anyone who knows about God uh, who's a follower of of God comes to these points where they can stop short of what God's perfect plan is for their life and they can kind of take What they have uh, what they have right then so like I said, we see this constantly, so it's nothing out of the ordinary. So continuing on today, actually, we're only two books forward from where we are here. So if you guys want to flip forward two books, past Deuteronomy, into Joshua, and to section, I mean, uh, chapter, book, whatever, yeah, 22. Joshua 22. And this is, uh, we'll read this in just a second, okay? Uh Preliminary for this section of the Bible, since we looked at them last, we heard the whole promise that they had to go across the Jordan to fight with the Israelites. Since then, what has happened? Uh, they did go across and they fought. They took this land. Moses uh, died outside of the Holy Land. He didn't get to enter it. That was one of God's promises to Moses. Told him, uh, because of your anger, because of your disobedience to me as a leader, he was judged very, very strictly by God because of his leadership role above them. He was not allowed to go into the Promised Land. All he was able to do was to go up on a mountain and gaze over it, and he died before he went into the Promised Land. Joshua has now kind of taken over in Moses' stead. He's really the leader that people are looking up to now that they're in the Holy Land. I mean, uh, I mean the chosen land there, and uh, they had wiped out all the people who are there, and now it was their land. So we come to the point now where it's time for Joshua to divide up all this land to these different tribes and dole them out. Say, you get this area, you get this area, you get this area. And where we come to is the point where now he turns to, obviously, uh, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and he's going to send them back across the river to the east side and say, go ahead and go take your property back. So, let us read just a small section of this, starting in 22. It says, Then Joshua summoned the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and said to them... You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your brothers, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given your brothers rest, as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan. But be very careful to keep the commandment and the the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to obey His commands, to hold fast to Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their homes. To the half tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given land in Bashan, and to the other half of the tribe, uh, the other half of the tribe, Joshua gave the land uh, on the west side of the Jordan with their brothers. When Joshua sent them home, he blessed them, saying, "Return to your homes with your great wealth." With large herds of livestock, with silver, gold, bronze, and iron, and a great quantity of clothing, and divide with your brothers the plunder from the from our enemies. All right. so, so the Reubenites, the Gadites, half tribe of Nethin left Israel at Shiloh and Canaan to return to Gilead to their own land, which they had acquired in accordance with the command of the Lord through Moses. So, here comes the time; they now part ways from their brothers, and um, they get to go back to their land, which we talked about before. You know, I'm not a scholar on time frames. I don't really know how much later this was than that. I didn't get to study time frames on this. I really don't know how long after uh, this initial situation happened to this one right here, unfortunately. You could probably figure it out if you looked at the story in between. Sorry, I didn't. Um, So here's what happens. They're sent back and now we really get a piece of seeing what is the result of stopping short of God's perfect will. Now we really get to see it play out. And uh, the first thing that we really see with these Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh is this. uh, In the very first part of this text, that they, they fought and they did all this thing. But here's the deal. When you stop short of God's perfect will, when you stop short of God's promise, you find yourself fighting for something that doesn't quite mean as much to you. As it used to. What I mean is this: these men, when they were called out of this land, they were fighting tooth and soul, I mean, tooth and nail, for this land that God had given them. Well, now they were just fighting. It didn't really matter to them, did it? I mean, if they didn't get to take this land on the west side of the Jordan, would it affect their land really? No. They had a home at home. Their wife, their children, their livestock was safe. Uh, it wasn't there anymore. Uh, the fight was kind of detached almost from their heart, if you will. I'm not saying that they didn't fight passionately. I'm not saying that a lot of them probably didn't give their lives in this war. But you can see how they'd be kind of detached. If you didn't see the benefit to yourself, you didn't really see what the um, what the action was. It didn't affect you as much. This is the same thing that happens um, to Christians today. And what I mean is this. The two and a half tribes found a comfortable setting, didn't they? They said, we want to take this now. And even as they fought, see, they kind of had this, like, kind of fall back on thing, didn't they? I mean, even in their minds, they'd have thought, what if we lost? It probably didn't ring so, you know, scary in their minds because they thought, well, I can just go back across the Jordan, go say hi to my wife. What's up? You know, it's not really that big of a deal. The same thing happens today. And what I mean is this. People start finding comfort spots in their fight. As a Christian, we're called to a fight. And that's a fight to purity, uh, to dedication, a life of passion. And what happens is when these people start to settle, when these people start to stop short of what God's plan is, they get comfortable in these areas. And it's no longer uh, such a big deal. They get set. You know, I give my 10% to God. I don't really see any need to ever give any more, you know. They don't feel a tug on their heart when someone asks for more money when there's a special need. Hey, I give my 10%. That's good with me. You know, people say the same thing with dedication. They wouldn't take the opportunity to go to another night of ministry if something new come up. They wouldn't take the opportunity to go out with a friend and maybe go talk about Jesus Christ on a street corner. I do that on Wednesday night and I do that on Sunday morning. It starts to become kind of just comfort. Passion and purity as well is what I see. Purity especially they kind of find this this holding pattern, don't they? Well, I don't do this, but I will do this. I've said it before, time and time again, purity is not a line, but purity is a direction. Either you're becoming more pure, or you're becoming less pure. But you see, people try to find this comfort zone in between. What I mean is this, and in probably the most simple terms, is that when all these Israelites were fighting, there was all of Israel fighting out of passion. And there was two and a half tribes fighting strictly out of just obedience. You see the difference? Two and a half tribes, they were still fighting. But the only reason why they were fighting was following God's command out of obedience. Moses said, you have to go across and do this. And they said, well, we will do that because that's fulfilling God's law. They fought out of obedience. But the other, the other nine, and a half, whatever, nine and a half tribes, whatever you want to say, ten tribes, they fought out of a passion. It meant something to them, didn't it? When they were fighting, it wasn't just because they had to. It was because this is my land. This is my brother's land. You see a difference? There's a focus. There's a characteristic of that. And really, when you see this, um, you see all the difference in the world. When you have that passion, it's not, I give my 10%. It's a willingness to give more because it's something that's important to you. It's not just obedience. It's not just a law anymore. It's not a rule. But it's something exciting. When there's an opportunity to go do something else, it seems exciting. And there's a difference in that than just out of obedience and out of passion. So we see people who get stopping short of God, and the fight just doesn't seem as important as it used to, does it? It just kind of fades into the background. When you start stopping short on God, You get farther away from God. That's the second thing. You will get farther away from God. And this is exactly what happened to these two and a half tribes. They decided to stop short and stay on this side of the river, which doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But here's the deal, especially in that time. At that time, God wasn't everywhere, you know. God's presence was in a special place, and that was in the temple. You had to go there to bring your sacrifices, to bring your offerings to meet with God, I mean, that's where God's presence was. His spirit would come down in the Holy of Holies and would encompass around this area. They were physically farther away from God than the people in the Promised Land. So, the same thing with today. As you start to stop short, you become farther away from God. No doubt that when these people did this, I don't know if it come across their mind or not, but, you know, in this tradition, in, in this group, you had to go to the temple for a lot of different occasions. You had to go there for offerings. You had to go there for certain rituals and certain things. You notice what happened is, is it became a lot harder. It wasn't just taking a little trip. They were even farther. They were more detached than everyone else. They had to get their stuff, go across the river, come into the promised land, and then come to the temple. Kind of added an extra step to it. Made it a little more difficult you see it detach themselves even just kind of one more step from the presence of God. So, same thing today. Just like these festivals, just like these sacrifices that people had back then that brought them closer to God, the same exact thing happens today. Um, And here's what it is. When you stop short on God, it seems like it takes more work. You feel farther away from God. Somehow it's harder to get up on Sunday morning. Somehow it's harder to give that 10%. Maybe just that, like I said, that passion isn't there. It doesn't seem as easy. You feel maybe a little detached from God. You don't feel quite as close uh, as you could be. And really, I believe it's the same thing with them being a physical presence, more separated from God. The same thing with us. Um... Joshua's comments, when you guys read this, I don't know if you noticed them. If you look back over them with me, um, when he's sending them off, he knows the fact that they're kind of going out past what everyone else is. And the things he says to them, he releases them, uh, but he says this. He says, "...but be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave to you, to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways, to obey his commands, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and all your soul." You see, Joshua kind of like saw this. When he let him go, he mentioned, but just be careful because you're kind of stepping away. You're getting farther away from God right now. And don't forget about who you belong to. Don't forget about the commandments that you know in your heart, the things that you know are right. And the same thing with, with us. We begin to stop short on God and I think that kind of the same warning goes out. You can stop short on God, but... How long until you start to, you know, lose that a little bit? You start to feel farther away from God and, you know, you start to forget those commandments. I think this. I believe that if you stop short of what God's plan is, you're stopping short of the closest that you can come to God. God's plan for our lives would no doubt be to be as close to us as he possibly could, right? For us to be as close to him. So if we stop short of what God's plan is, we're stopping short of what the closest we could possibly get to God is. We're putting ourselves farther away from him. So, um, like I said, people start to complain about the basics. People feel farther away from God. But even worse than this, that feeling far away from God, the complaining, things get hard. What scares me is this whole entire thing that Joshua said to these tribes, where he warned them. Because I believe that this separation from God can lead into a lot worse things. And a lot scarier things. When I read these things, um, what really came to my mind is a story in Acts. And it reminded me of a story of a married couple, Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, if you guys know the story, the Acts church was a lot different than uh, a lot of our church today. The Acts church, they all pretty much uh, kind of communed together together. one person would sell a big plot of land, bring all the money, and give it to the disciples and say, go ahead and take care of who needs to be taken care of. It was a very um, communal lifestyle. It was really, really interwound. And we hear about, uh, especially one person, uh, right before Ananias and Sapphira, who ends up selling land, and he gives the money to them. And then we come to uh, the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Here's what happens. They decide they're going to sell this land, right? They sell it. They get a price for it. And then what they do, though, is they bring a certain percentage of this land to the disciple, and they lay it down. And Ananias goes first, the male, the the, uh, husband. He lays it down, and the disciple immediately knows. And he says, you know, Ananias, how has Satan grasped you so much? Basically talking about the fact that his heart had become so impure That he brought it, and he didn't just bring it and say, hey, I brought this money. But what he did is he came with the motive of saying that I brought everything that I got from this. And immediately God struck him dead. He struck Ananias dead because of his sin, because of his wanting this fame. Sapphira comes in as well just a little while later, and he asked her, he says, is it true, is this the full price that you got for the land? And she says, yes. And he said, you know, how could you have conspired against you know, God and the Holy Spirit like this. And he said, the same people that carried out your husband dead are going to carry out you dead, and she drops dead as well. God immediately dealt with these people. Here's what I see. I don't believe the fact that if you stop short of God, he's going to strike you dead immediately. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this, is I don't believe that Ananias and Sapphira had a perfect relationship with Jesus Christ, and then this one situation come along, and they decided to do this. What I mean is this, is I bet you if you could be a fly on the wall of Ananias and Sapphira leading up to this moment, you would have saw time and time again where they stopped short of what God's full intention for them was. That's not in the Bible. But what I see is I see them stopping short on God in this situation and trying to get gain from it. I don't think that, that just happens first time. I think that time and time again they had stopped short of what God's idea was for them to do. To do this, and they had probably done part of it. To do this, and they had just done some of it. And it became such a habit that then finally they did not only just wanted to do part of it, but they wanted to get the glory for all of it. You see what I mean? And I think it built to this. So that's why it's scary to say, just stopping short of God, like I said last week. And I said, you know, I'm not saying these people aren't saved. I'm not saying these people don't have a relationship with Jesus. But I am saying that there's some danger in this. There's definitely danger in stopping short of what God's plan is for you. Not only that, but we see in, especially uh, Joshua, in the same story, uh, in the rest of our story, that the stopping short on God weakens our very foundations. Here's what I mean by this. Read with me... Starting in ten. Joshua twenty two ten, after they had gone back. It says When they came to Geliloth near the Jordan, in the land of Canaan, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar there by the Jordan. And when the Israelites heard that they had built the altar on the border of Canaan, at Geliloth, near the Jordan on the Israel side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. So the Israelites sent Vineus, son of Eleazar, the priest, uh, to the land of Gilead, to Reuben, Gad, with the half tribe of manasseh With him they sent ten of the chief men, one for each each of the tribes of Israel, each the head of the family division among the Israel clans. All right, so they go. I'm going to skip ahead from some of these things here. Okay. They end up going. They talk to him, and then if we uh if we jump down a little bit, they say like stuff. Uh, I'll read a quick section for you. It says, "If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow will be." Uh, tomorrow he will be angry with the whole community of Israel. Uh, if the land you possess is defiled, come over to the Lord's land where the Lord's tabernacle stands and share the land with us. But do not rebel against the Lord or against us by building an altar for yourselves other than the altar of the Lord our God. They come back to him just like they did when they wanted the land. Remember Moses' words where he said, Didn't we already deal with this? Someone being insubordinate and not following God's plans. And we were all punished by it. They come back and say the same thing to him again. Again, don't do this, you're going to punish us all, you're going to start all these problems again. and then actually we get their answer after this because they had gone and they asked them and this is their answer, okay uh, starting in twenty two it says, the mighty one, God the Lord, the the mighty one, God the Lord, he knows, and let Israel know if this has been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord. Do not spare us this day. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord and to offer burnt offerings and grain offerings or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it, may the Lord himself call us to account. No, we did it for fear that some day your descendants might say to ours, uh, What do you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan as a boundary between us and you, you Reubenites and Gadites. You have no share in the Lord, so your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. That is why we said... Let us let us get ready and build an altar, but not for burnt offerings or sacrifices. On the contrary, it is to be a witness between us and you and the generations that follows that we will worship the Lord at His sanctuary with our burnt offerings, sacrifices, and fellowship offerings. Then, in the future, your descendants will not be able to say to ours, "You have no share in the Lord." All right. So we see this whole big explosion take place. Did you guys almost see it coming? When I read the first time, when I read about them wanting this land on the other side of the Jordan, I thought to myself, there's going to be problems here. There's going to have to be. It's almost like, you know, the writing on the wall, like watching a soap opera or something. You can see there's going to be something that's going to happen in the future. It's not just going to stop there. So they go back, like I said. They decide to build this altar. And what happens is, is like I said, Israel immediately called action. They've turned away from our Lord. We're going to go and we'll fight them and destroy them if that's, if that's what has to take place, right? Here's the problem is this. They had stopped short of God, and what it did is it kind of threw this rift up, and it kind of shook people's, it shook people's foundations on where they thought that they lied. And what I mean is this, is that the people who, who went through with God's plan, they maybe didn't quite look at those people the same again. I don't mean they held a grudge or anything like that, but when they saw this thing that was really kind of contrary to what they thought was right, what happened is that their mind immediately jumped to the fact that they're turning away from the Lord because they had already saw something where they're like, these people, you know, they really get it or do they not when this whole situation had come up before? And there's kind of this, this separation. Not only that, but how could they ask? It's not like they could have went over and said, hey, Bob, why are you building that altar they're all the way across the, you know, across the Jordan River, so they were separated from them too. So you can see where this kind of bread, where they immediately thought, oh, they must be, you know, trying to plot against our Lord. When you stop short of God, you begin to separate yourself from those who don't. I think when they look at you, sometimes they can kind of see it. That's not to scare you, but I just think sometimes when when people see you stop short of God time and time again, they think, I wonder if they really do understand it, or I wonder if they really don't. And uh, Israel was wrong. They come over and they found out, actually, no, you're completely wrong. It was to let us, you know, a reminder between your generations and our generations that we have a share. Um, Israel was wrong, but my point still stands completely right. Actually, even more. See, I said that they separated themselves and it shook the foundations, and that's exactly it. When these tribes went over there, they realized the fact that they had separated themselves from God. That's why they built this. It wasn't just the fact that I'm saying it, but they even realized it. They said, hey, if we go over here, in another 150 years, they're going to say, you guys don't even belong to our God. And we've got to do something about that. You see, they even understand that they had pulled themselves a step away from the Lord. They had shook their foundations. Their lineage didn't tie to God as strong as it could anymore. Because they had pulled themselves away from that. So, their foundation had really actually just been weakened. And that's the same thing that can happen to us, is that we can kind of pull ourselves away from our foundation on God when we, start, when we stop short on him. So obviously, like I said, many, many people today are still stopping short on a daily basis, time and time again, in situations they have in their life. And really the last thing that I want to tie into your mind with this doesn't have anything to do with the half tribe or with these tribes here. What it has to do is really with us. And it's not even something I can take word from word in the Bible, but it's something that I can infer with my own knowledge and with the knowledge of the Holy Spirit. And it's really this. If you guys are Christians, if you guys are saved, I do not believe that a person who stops short of God's perfect plan will be as effective at winning souls for Christ. That's a hard one. If you call yourself a Christian, and you love Jesus Christ, one of our biggest passions is to tell other people about him, isn't it? One of our biggest passions is to let other people know about him and let them understand this amazing gift that we've received. And what I'm saying is this, is I don't believe that if you stop short of what God's plan is, I don't think you're going to be as effective. How can I say that? I said it because of this. God's perfect plan, okay? God's most amazing plan is for everyone to be saved. Man, God would love it. God loves everybody and he wishes every person could be saved, right? So if God's perfect plan, and then you stop short of that, do you really think that more people are going to get saved through your life if you stop short of what God's perfect plan is? I think God's perfect plan is going to have the most people, the best situations for you to tell people about Christ. I really don't think you're going to gain any more by taking your own route out. So really what I say is when you stop short, you're probably cutting off some people, some situations, some possibilities to be able to spread God's word. And I think that's backed up in the Bible. It's not said word for word, but I think you can take that just as I have. So if you want to be the most productive on this earth, it hurts the thought of stopping short of what God's will is because it would nullify the ability for you to reach some people, to tell some people about God. I said it before and I'll say it again. You will encounter a multitude of people who have stopped short of God's plan on the street and in this very church. As you walk through the halls, you'll bump into people time and time again who saw what God had for them and grabbed a hold of what they could have right now. Who stopped short of the best plan that God had for their life. It happens all the time. And are you stopping short on God right now? Is that where you're at in your life? Are you at the situation where you can just take a hold of what you have now? Now, someone's here right now who's saying, this makes no sense to me. I don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's cool. And um, this might kind of be a different one for you because right now I know I'm addressing Christians a lot. If you're here and you say, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't really know what that is. And these things seem way too far off. I completely agree with you. And I say this, don't stop short on God tonight. If God's touched your heart tonight though, by listening and thinking about the fact that Christianity isn't just a club. Christianity is a lifestyle. I mean, Jesus Christ, the story, came to earth and died for your sins to pay for them so that you could go to heaven and spend eternity with him. How amazing of a story is that, that our God actually came to earth and died for us to pay for us. He found the one loophole of the universal law, sin equals death, and he found a loophole around it to pull you back out of that and bring you into heaven. How beautiful of a, of a story is that? And if you felt that tonight, then really the only thing I say to someone who's, who's out there and says, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ is this, don't stop short then tonight. Respond to it. Don't stop short tonight. Take a hold of what God's put in your life. Come talk to me. Respond. Ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. And don't say, you know, well, I think I got enough of God or I'll think about it. That's stopping short. You know, um, people who go overboard in boats, have you ever seen like a big ship will overturn? And they send out those helicopters, right? A guy hooks on one of the lifeguards and they take him. They jump into the water and then they go and they grab the person and they pull him up. It's like this. You're drowning in the ocean and this lifesaver comes to you. And are you going to grab a hold of it or are you just going to kind of, you know, throw a hand on it? Salvation is right there. And if you want it, you don't just grab a hold of it with one hand. You wrap all of your strength around it. You put your legs around it and you grab a hold of it as tight as you possibly can. So if you think right now, I need, I need Jesus Christ, don't just respond like, yeah, I think I do, but grab a hold of it as tight as you possibly can because that's what's going to ensure you your salvation. Those of you who have a relationship with God, which is a lot of what I've been talking about, and you're thinking about whether or not you have stopped short on God in the past, whether or not you're thinking about stopping short right now on some of God's plans for your life, or even just considering the fact of knowing some of God's plans and not wanting to stop short on those plans, because you know that something amazing is going to happen through them. What I want to do is tonight, I want to encourage you to absolutely just give up the thought of stopping short altogether. Just to give it up and put it out of your mind, what I mean is this, is forget about the circumstances and forget about thinking your plans are better and stop, stop worrying that it's going to take too long for God to answer and to fulfill what his plan is. Be patient and let God do what he's supposed to do. God has a perfect plan for each and every one of us and I completely, I completely believe this. It talks about in the Bible that God says he has an amazing plan for our life. How could I possibly plan something better than what God has for me? You know what I mean? Take a hold of what, of what that is. So give up that thought. Give up that possibility. And fall just wholeheartedly onto God's plan for your life. I tell you this. God is waiting for you just right around the bend. When you think that he's never going to show up, when you think that your plan might look more solid, he's right there around the bend just waiting for you to keep Steady and to keep on going. And he's going to meet you there. Um, It reminds me, actually, uh, when I think about that, it reminds me of Ephesians 2 8 and 9 and then 10. I don't know if you guys have ever read that. People use Ephesians 2 8 and 9. I've said it before. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of works is the gift of God, so that no man shall boast. People use it all the time to say that salvation is free. And 10 says the fact that God knows us, that we're his workmanship where his craftsmanship and the fact that he has works and service for us to do planned even before we were born. God has this perfect plan for our life. And it's a shame to think about stopping short of that. So we're not going to have like an altar time where I'm going to dim the lights and, you know, I want you to come forward and talk to me. We talked about this last week because we kind of, like I said, it's a two-part thing. This whole room is going to become an altar. And you're kind of in it whether you like it or not for the first part of it, sad to say. Um, we're using a song as our, as our prayer. We used it last week, and it's called The Stand by Hillsong. It's quite fitting. It's a song of complete dedication. It's a song of basically giving up what you have and letting God ca- take control of what your life is completely. And what I want you to do is I want you to kind of mix in your own words Mix in your own prayer with this song and let these words kind of be your prayer as well tonight. If you say, I don't want to stop short of God. I don't want to be the person um, who separates myself from God, uh, who weakens my foundations, my very structure on God, and who is going to lose opportunity to reach souls. That's not who I want to be. If that's true, then let this really be your prayer tonight. Um, The fact that your commitment is never going to stop short of God. That's always going to run through. You're always going to fulfill what God has for you. The fact that today, from this day forward, you're not going to allow that to come into your mind, but you're going to wait and you're going to count on what God's plan is. Don't stop short on how God wants you to respond either. What I mean is this, is the song's not very long. Actually, we're doing three tonight. The song is first, and like I said, it's, it's our prayer. And then there's kind of an interlude in between. And I really encourage you guys to really pray during this moment. It's just a small part where it's just music. And I encourage you guys to really pray to God, to really open yourself up, talk to God, ask Him. Ask Him to never let you stop short of Him, but to always be encouraged by what His plan is for your life. And then it finishes, the last song is just a song of absolute worship and praise to God. So if this really meant something to you, it's quite fitting because you get to end basically just by worshiping God and thanking Him for being so awesome. What I mean by this is, don't stop short on how God wants you to respond. If you feel led to get down on your knees, if you feel led to raise your hands, if you feel led to sing out loud, really loud, if you feel like God wants you to cry, you're not too cool, you're not too smart, don't stop short on even this, how God wants you to respond tonight. God wants you to respond in brokenness, or if God wants you to respond by dancing. Whatever it is, take a hold of it and do it. This is like kind of the first test. Are you really going to stop short on God? Are you going to be too scared? Are you going to do it? Here's a good little test for you, okay? I want you guys to kind of all look at each other, and here's what I want you to do, okay? If you want people to get close enough to God that you promise you won't make fun of somebody, no matter how stupid and how weird they respond, raise your hand. Now look around. Hey... Everybody's hands raised. We love God enough that I don't really care if you want to do something completely different than I want to, and I don't really care if it's something that I think is weird. But if God's asking you to do it tonight, do it, do it. Don't stop short of what He wants you to do. So, like I said, three songs. First song is our prayer. Second song is just an interlude where you guys can just basically talk to God, and a third one is just a song of worship. I encourage you guys be vocal, speak out loud talks about in the Bible time and time again about letting your words really mean what your heart is. Say it out loud. Tell God how you feel. Let him know. So here's the deal. It all comes down to this. Two weeks, one moment right here. And here's what it is. Are you going to stop short, or is it finally going to be time to take a stand Tonight.